So if I, as a, as a human being, go, well, look, I'm not looking at this with the racial angle, someone might get offended by that. And they go, well, it is, it is. This guy was murdered because he was black and they were white. And they can say that and they can believe that. And it doesn't necessarily mean, mean that I disagree. But if I say, well, let's just take the race thing out of it and let's look at the story for what it is. The easy, the easy out for people is to, well, that's racist. Right. You know, people are so afraid of being called racist now. Right. It's like, well, okay, maybe, but let's have the conversation, right? Right. Let's have the conversation, but let's have it in a different way where we're not solely focused on race because I'd want to avoid talking about race is a problem to a lot of people, right? I, I, they think I'm just glossing over it. Well, how can you ignore it? You know, those guys killed that guy because he was black. Again, I'm trying to ignore it because, again, if the situation were reversed, I don't want to think that the white guy was killed because he was white. Right. Hey, CEP listeners, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. The more you like, share, comment, and subscribe, the more people the algorithm pushes the show out to. So if you like an episode or a video clip you see on the socials, share it around and give us some feedback. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about the fights from UFC 249, what we liked and disliked about the TV show Dave, And then we went a little deep into the Ahmad Arbery case from Georgia and what our personal beliefs are surrounding the case and other cases just like it. If you'd like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, don't hesitate to reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you would like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am Colt Brocato, Patrick Blair, and Skype Lamb, my co-host and good friend for Mother's Day episode and number 13, I believe. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Absolutely. Shout out to moms. Were you you a good boy? Did you call your mom already? Not yet. It's 10.30. I know. Not yet. I'm going going to her house later. She's not a 12-year-old. She doesn't sleep till noon. Give her a call. What are you doing? I'm going to her house later. Oh, boy. What are you guys going to do? Uh, I'm just going to take her a gift and hang out for a while. Now, hopefully you're going to be practicing social distancing Absolutely. if you do this, right? Absolutely, yeah. What, Good. What, what are you doing? For Follow your, the rules. What are you doing for your mama? I don't know. I was just texting with her, and I think my nieces and nephews are going to go to my parents' house with my sisters and stuff, but I don't know what time I'm trying to. Determine that. Have you so seen? I'll do something have you seen any of them since quarantine? No. No. I've seen my parents and my younger sister. Okay. But I haven't seen anyone else. Do you go? Um, do you go see your wife's mom or anything? We haven't seen her since quarantine. No. Oh, okay. No. Nope. Cut off from the family and and my friends. Got to do a show with you via Skype. <laughs> it's okay. We're making it work, right? Yeah. Speaking of shows, I got a lot to talk about after last night's MMA on the mic. 
for the UFC 249 pay-per-view. Would you almost call it a shit show? <laughs> In uh, certain parts? If we're talking about judging, yes. God, judging was terrible. I think, I think the event as a whole was a was a total success. I think, think? Um, I think other sports organizations could learn a little bit from the UFC. I think they did a tremendous job of handling everything the way they did, making sure everyone felt safe, putting together a good package for the fans, you know, trying to keep the fighters safe. I think it was overall, I mean, you know, obviously Jacare Souza tested positive, but I, I put that more on Jacare and less on the UFC. He knew that someone in his family possibly had COVID, but oh, really? still took the trip. Yeah. Okay, I had heard that, but two of his cornermen had it too, correct? Yeah, well, he probably gave it to him. Well, I'm sure he was as- he was asymptomatic, so he didn't know that he had it, but he did know that someone in his family possibly had it. Gotcha. So, but look, they tested him, they kept him separated as much as they could. They got him out of there. He's going to get treatment for COVID via the UFC, so it's not like the UFC is not going to take care of him, right? You know. So I think all in all, it was a great event. I think the person that I feel still, the person that I feel the worst for right now is Donald Cerrone. Yeah. I feel bad for Dominic Cruz. I feel bad for Tony Ferguson. But look, I feel the worst for Donald Cerrone. I just, look, when you're watching, when you're in the moment, you say, all right, that fight could have gone either way. But given who Cowboy is and the way that he fought that fight i just thought you know what he he i just i don't know i just maybe if it hadn't been a unanimous decision if it had been a split decision i can see that but just for it to be unanimous for all three judges to say that pettis won two out of the three rounds it was just bizarre to me i don't know what do i know i just feel bad for him. i you know i'm again i'm a little bit biased because i'm a cowboy fan more so than i am a pettis fan so right I don't know. And I mean, just, you, you know me and you know I'm a big Cowboy fan and I'm the same way. I feel sorry for him. But the the biggest thing that annoys me is exactly what you said. It's the fact that it wasn't even a split decision. It was unanimous. Yeah. I mean, I personally gave at least two rounds to Cowboy. But is that be, me being biased? Do I need to rewatch it and maybe be my mind be changed? I don't know. Possibly. But still. The, yeah. The, uh, Cowboy did post either last night or this morning, though a video of the fight from last night and he said that he'll definitely be back which gives me we don't we've talked about this before we don't know if maybe he should just go ahead and ride off into the sunset or if he should hang out for a while and still fight just because he loves it but going into this fight he made several comments you know saying that even waking up in the morning and stuff like that he knows that he's not you know it's not as easy to train with the young guys anymore and stuff like that which made me a little nervous but he still looked good against Anthony. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, show, he still looked good against Pettis. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought the fight was great. It was a great fight. So, I mean, you know, uh, no one loses. I mean, Cowboy loses, but the fans didn't lose for sure. That was a great fight. So, I think uh, if anyone was watching as a Cowboy fan, they should be bummed that he lost a decision like that, but should be really pleased with the way that he fought. I mean, right. he fought his heart out. Um. Now, on top of the fact that Cowboy's always been one of those fighters that the UFC can, you know, hang their hat on, and they they know yeah. that he'll, he'll fight whenever, he'll do whatever they want him to, and he puts on good fights the majority of the time. 
and you know exciting fights. So it's not like it's not like he's in danger of losing his job by losing fights or anything like that. He's going to be around until no. he decides he doesn't want to be around anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's getting. I feel it's getting to be that time. But I mean, they like said last night he didn't. He didn't really look like he's slowing down. However, he was fighting a guy who's also aging and certainly isn't the fighter that he used to be. But yeah, I mean, against those younger fighters, it's 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 hard to feel good about his chances. You know, I hate yeah, saying that. I mean, but, in, especially in the weight class. Right. I mean, there's mo- there's monsters in that weight class. Yeah, at 55, it's just. I mean, at, at least at 170, he doesn't have to cut the weight as much. He can sort of walk in feeling fresh, whereas at 55, he's he's going through a, a, a good weight cut to make that weight. Um, he's got it down to his science, obviously, but yeah. The, <laughs> 55-2, just with the younger fighters and just in general with contenders, it seems like a... I mean, both divisions are stacked, and I certainly don't think he's in title contention at 170, but he's still ranked sixth in at lightweight. So, look, I mean, he had a good performance. If the UFC goes, you know what, I want to fight, I want to fight Ferguson again or, you know, someone Hank teetering around that top 10, want to go ahead and fight. I mean, he could fight Iaquinta again. He could fight, you know, whoever, Kevin Lee, when Kevin Lee comes back. I mean, there are options there. He's not going to say no. Right. So. Um, Cowboy hasn't yeah, fought Kevin we'll Lee, has he? No, he didn't fight Kevin Lee. I would like to see that. It'd be a good fight. It'd be a good fight. Uh, MMA math would tell us nothing about that. Right. Because, uh, you know, Kevin Lee fought Tony Ferguson, lasted longer than Cowboy did. Kevin Lee fought Iaquinta, and Iaquinta beat him up. Cowboy beat up Iaquinta. There's just no, I mean, right. What do you, how do you even call it? So, <laughs> um, so did you see Dominic Cruz's comments as of late? I did. <clears throat> saying and- that. You know, we, we put that in a text there this morning. That was weird. That was the accusation that he's making on a ref is pretty big accusation for Dominic, who is a, a pretty big face in the company. I mean, he, you know, he is a commentator and stuff too. So I don't know. I, I mean, what do you think? Do you believe him? Uh, well, I mean, we had to say what he's, so he said that the ref, Keith Peterson, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. that was refing his fight reeked of booze and cigarettes. And this was, he said this sort of had this feeling before the fight even started. Um, do I believe him? I don't know. I, I, a part of me feels like he said it and was kind of like he was fired up and he didn't think people would take it seriously or maybe as serious as they are. And now, obviously, people are going to jump on a comment like that. So maybe he's like, oh, well. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I did. So yeah, yeah, I, he he did it. That's true, right? Um, I don't know if he would lie about that, especially because he's such a prominent commentator for the UFC. Right. He's sort of opening opening himself up to questioning and ridicule from his peers in that sense of the job. So I mean, you got to believe the next time he sits down with DC and Joe Rogan, they're going to be like, "Did he really smell like booze and right. cigarettes?" Or you know what I mean, like. Or maybe they just go, maybe we don't talk about that. He was upset that he lost. Maybe we just don't bring up his loss. We're, we're not even focused on his fight. We're focused on other fighters because we're commentating. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast again. I, I don't know. I, uh, there certainly needs to be answers. but Yeah, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I just, 
in my personal opinion, I don't see Dominic Cruz as somebody who would try to put somebody else's job at jeopardy because of a because of a loss. Yeah, and he's shown that he can he takes a loss like a man. I mean, when he lost to Cody, that that uh, when he lost to Cody Garbrandt, the the post fight press conference, all the stuff he said, like that was like could have script a movie like that. Like he knew exactly what to say, how to say it. So I don't know if it's necessarily that. I mean, it's a bad way to lose, man. I mean, he was probably a little bit fucked up in the head. Yeah. I mean, he just took a a nasty knee. I mean, and that's ultimately why I feel worse for Cowboy than anyone else. You know, Dominic Cruz, yeah, it was a questionable stoppage, but he ate a big knee. Yeah. He was clearly hurt. Tony Ferguson, yeah. I mean, he got the fight was stopped on the feet, but I mean, Jesus, he was getting beat up. I mean, that was hard to watch. Right. And I know like during the live stream last night, I think everyone was going kind of back and forth on, well, it's Tony. He's just, he's, he's fine. Like he's shaking it off. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's shaking it off because he doesn't necessarily know what's happening right now. Right. He doesn't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's getting, it, it was hard to watch, man. Like that, that moment where he's like shaking his head and it, it was almost like not, he wasn't shaking his head. Like, no, I'm not hurt. No, I'm fine. Don't stop the fight. He was shaking his head like I I don't know where I am. Yeah, like, it's like yeah, it's like I don't. It was it was I, 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 yeah. I don't know what to do, and even if I did know what to do, my body won't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His body was not responding to it. Yeah, yeah, oh, man. Tough to watch. I mean, but that was the most impressive performance we've seen out of Gaethje. Very, very much so. Absolutely, one of the most impressive performances I think we've seen out of a fighter in a while. That like that game plan. The way that I mean, he got he got dropped in the first round, came back and stuck to the game plan, and I mean, just picked Tony apart. We've never seen anyone do that to Tony Ferguson. We've seen Tony get hit, but we've never seen him be outclassed like that. That was just, man. Yeah, I was unreal. Yeah. What do you think uh, about Tony pushing Gagey away right at the end? I don't like it. You don't like it, but do you think that was just a, a thing out of emotion? Because it seemed like he, they were pretty cordial after the fight. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't like it at the time, and I still don't like it. But again, he was beat up. You know, well, he didn't. Well, it's, he it, probably didn't know what was going on. It's yeah. I mean, there's that, but also like acting out of emotion. It's not only the fact that he just lost a fight, but it's also the fact that the guy that he lost the fight to is celebrating at this moment and then takes a break away from celebrating to come and give him a hug. That would piss, that would piss you off. And I'm not saying Gagey did anything wrong. I'm just saying that that, that would make definitely make you act out of emotion and do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, losing sucks. (laughs) Everyone hates to lose. Um, so yeah, we know that. And look, I don't know how I would. Re- I mean, he's millions of people watching. He just got finished on his feet, got outclassed. You know, it, you react poorly sometimes. I get it. You know, again, I didn't like it in the moment. I go back to he was he was beat up. He didn't know what was going on, so he reacted in a way. It was. It's the same thing as like when um, <laughs> when Stipe beat Overeem and Joe Rogan interviewed him in the octagon. And Overeem was like, oh, I th- he tapped. I know he tapped when I had him in the in the the choke. And, you know, they show a replay. Like, gee, ugh. Like, like, yeah. Could we just say, yeah, well, when people, some people say he didn't tap. You might have thought he tapped. But instead they show, we're going to take a look at it. You take a look at it. We know you're concussed and you don't know where you are. But go ahead and look up at the big screen here. 
And oh, I, you know, and poor, poor over him. Like I thought he tapped, and like everyone's like, no, nah, didn't tap. And did, didn't um, they didn't they play it more than once too? Because because Ro- because Rogan was like really trying to give Overeem the benefit of the doubt, but it it was more disgusting because, like you said, Overeem was just concussed, and there and he clearly made a statement that wasn't true. Like he never tapped. It was just he. I don't know if he actually thought he tapped or not. It was almost like a he said it, and then he was stuck in this situation now. <laughs> He didn't. He, yeah, he may not have been expecting that they were going to pull a replay out of their butt. <laughs> yeah, and after that, Joe Rogan was extremely vocal about, "I'm never going to interview a fighter again in the octagon after they've been knocked out." Right. Even though I think he has he has since then, but it it hasn't been as look. Overeem's been knocked out so many times too. Like, who knows what what he's saying when he's saying it? I mean, if there's a guy who you give a free pass to, to say whatever, <laughs> once they've been knocked out, it's him. He's been finished so many times. Right. Um, and yeah, like, <clears throat> have you ever been knocked out before? No. So one time, so, okay. So one time I was knocked out. Okay. And when I woke up, I was told that I was telling stories about things that happened to me when I was a kid but in the voice of a different person. Wow. For like, for like an hour, hour afterwards. Like I was just saying, I was telling stories as if they had happened to me, uh-huh. but they did like people that are close to me were like, you were saying some weird shit, bro. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what was I, what was I saying? Like you told this one story about this happened and this person and that. And I'm like, and then in my head, I'm going, I think that's a movie. Did I, did I, I, I was living, I was like living out, I was living right. a movie. um so dude you don't know what's going on like you don't you don't have any idea so yeah i again in the moment i hated what tony did that but i get it i get it you you don't it's embarrassing to lose you don't want to lose that way and then again he's he was so fucked up he didn't know what was going on so how did you get knocked out well i've been knocked out a couple of times um that time uh i hit my head uh fell backwards onto my head uh, playing football. Okay. Knocked me out pretty good. Um, and when I came to, like I said, it was like after the fact and people were like, everyone was like hanging out and like, they were just like, you were telling some weird stories. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember getting knocked out. I don't remember the stories, but okay. I believe you. So, so let's go back to the Cruz and Cejudo fight. Cause I'm curious. I, I want to, I don't want to know what, what your feelings are as far as, do you think, Cruz was justified in being upset in in the stoppage. Here's the reason why I agree with him is because you kind of have two options when it comes to if if there's a guy on your back beating the piss out of your head, you've got two options, and that is defend by covering up your head so you don't get hit in the head so much or try to get up. And he was trying to do both at the same time. And the only way for him to get back up is to do what he was doing. And he was in the process of getting up to his feet when the ref jumped in. Yeah. Um, no. And so that's why we all thought it was stopped early because he was trying to get up. He had his hand up trying to defend it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a good stoppage. I mean, but look, that knee he ate was bad. His eyes rolled into the back of his head. He was out for his, his ability to recover, by the way, when he gets dropped like that is yeah, insane. Very impressive. But, um, Hey, that's an ability that Rosenstreich does not have after getting hit by Ngannou. Well, 
look, <laughs> no disrespect to Henry Cejudo, but let me just tell you something. Rosenstrike was hit by a car. Yeah, with a fist that was the size of Cejudo's head. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was, I don't know. It, it, I'm going to have to rewatch that a couple of times, but it, at the at the end of the day, he got up after the fight was stopped and he clearly could have gone on, but how many of those shots would have, how many more shots would it have taken to put him out completely? We don't know, but he he was trying to get to his feet. So if you're trying to get to your feet, most refs give you the benefit of the doubt to stand up. Peterson didn't give him that opportunity. He thought he thought he had seen enough. I don't know. But but that that's the thing is that you said we don't know how many more shots he could have taken, and I get that. But also he's taking those shots while still finding a way to get back to his feet. Yeah, but it's also the ref's job to protect the fighters. I get it. I get it. So it, it it's a tough dude. That's a difficult job, man. That's a that's a that's probably that's more difficult than being a judge is being the actual ref inside the octagon during the fights. Right. It's a tough job. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not want to. Fuck no. I wouldn't even. Well, you could pay me a good. Well, <laughs> we can do it for a price, but that's a terrible job. I mean, it's it's hard to do. I mean, I look back the Cejudo fight with Dillashaw it was kind of the same way. He dropped Dillashaw. And Dillashaw was scrambling, trying to get back to his feet, and Cejudo was it was hitting him with shots, and that ref was like, no, don't care if you're getting back up. You're getting beat up. Let me stop the fight. Same situation. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, except this was a knee this time. Instead of a, you know, Cejudo dropped him with a Dillashaw with a right hand. He dropped Cruz with a knee. Um, and the knee was a, much more conclusive than the right hand that dropped Dillashaw. I mean, it was a rough knee. Um, so... Yeah, probably a bad stoppage, but again, I get why people, if they're not upset about it, saying it was a good stoppage, I could see that. Um, you commented on the one guy last night that said it was stopped too late. Um, and I actually read his thread and him trying to defend what he said. And, and you know, he just, he he was looking at it through the eyes of a, a ref. I, I mean, it. he was, you know, clearly stating that, look, a ref's job isn't for the, the ref's job isn't to let the guy take more shots than necessary so that's what peterson did he didn't let dom take any more shots than he needed to well that's like that, that's like that in, in ganu and rosenstrike fight there were at least three extras that rosenstrike didn't need to take but well, the ref, that, could, get the ref could no ref at all could have gotten in there fast fast enough to save him from those yeah save him from those wild so I watched the replay on that. That's still, I, you know what? It was a devastating knockout. That guy's scary, and Ganu that is, but there's no technique behind what he's doing. He's just moving forward with his chin up in the air, and he's just throwing haymakers. I, I, I'm, I want to see him do that. Like we said last night, like if he gets out, if it gets out of the first round, he's in trouble because he tires out because he throws punches like that. I want to see him do that to someone in the second or third round of a fight, right? Yeah. Not the first 20, any, everyone's fresh in the first 20 seconds of a fight. You know, I want to see him get out of the first round and do that to someone. And he hasn't. The last time that happened, I think was the first fight with Curtis blades that he won by a doctor stoppage in the second round. Right. Um, but was tired, was labored, but Curtis blades couldn't continue because the doctor stopped it. That was, um, that was his first fight. The first fight with Blades, and then the second okay. fight with Blades, he finished him in 30 seconds or whatever. Right. You know, he 
clipped him in the top, like the back of the top of the head, dropped him. And that was a weird stoppage too. Blades was scrambling kind of the same way. Scrambling was getting up, was getting hit, but was getting up and the ref stepped in. Um, we're seeing a lot of that lately. Now that I now that I think about it, we're seeing a lot of fighters getting dropped like that, trying to get back to their feet and refs stepping in. These refs don't want to be the guy to get blamed for a fighter getting hurt. They just don't. And I I, I don't blame them for that. Um, but yeah, in Ganu, there's just no, I, I again, you're going to hear all the praise from all of the, the MMA pundits and MMA media and talking heads about how he's the scariest guy at heavyweight and because he hits so hard and he looks like he does, but I don't know, man. I just, there's just not Stipe. Stipe wrote the blueprint for how to beat that guy. And really since then, no one has paid attention, right? No one's tried to do it that way. I was expecting Curtis blades to do it in their second fight. Um, and he didn't, he didn't have enough time to do it. He got hit with that. And that's the problem. You get hit with that. I mean, Stipe is the only guy to take one of those, those shots. And he took multiple, which is insane to me. I don't even know how he's still walking. But um, that's the blueprint. And I, I saw a bunch of tweets. Let's, let's have him in D.C. fight for an interim title. And, I, you know, a bunch of the comments were like, D.C. doesn't want that smoke. And I'm like, D.C. can beat him, man. D.C., is a better wrestler than Stipe is. There, there's and, a lot. There's a line there though that <laughs> there is a possibility that he can beat him, but he probably doesn't want that fight. <laughs> I don't think he's scared of that fight at all, man. You don't think? I think I think he'll say that jokingly with you know Rogan and Anik afterwards, but I don't think he's scared of that fight at all. No, I don't think so. But what do I know? I'll be interested to see. I mean, he has to. Five first round finish, five, five knockouts. He in five fights he's fought what, a minute and a half, right. two minutes. Maybe. Right. He's got to get a title shot. I mean, there's just, I don't know what you do. I mean, what? Who else do you give him other than someone to fight for a title? Right. I don't so, know. Kind of the only option there is. Well, if Stipe retires, like I kind of, I was talking last night, you know, listening to Joe Rogan on his podcast, he seemed very in the know about he thinks Stipe is just going to retire because his eye's not healing. Um, he's had, what, two surgeries now on it, I believe, and apparently it's not healing correctly. So he was very firm in those statements, like he thinks Stipe is going to retire. So what does that do to the heavyweight division? And it opens up. So. Does DC want to get one more fight? And is it with someone else like Nganu? Or does DC say, you know what? I don't get the trilogy fight with Stipe. I'm just going to retire too. Let it be even. Let it be split. And then they do just open up the heavyweight title to Nganu, obviously. And then I don't even know who, who, would, who, would, who would challenge him. John Jones? Well, that's what I was, I was kind of thinking. Like I could see, I don't know how many more fights DC wants before he retires. But I, I could see that fight happening, DC and, and Ganu say DC wins. Now Jones steps in, beats DC again, and then DC walks walks away. DC said Stipe and I'm done. He doesn't want any other fight. That's what he said. Now again, but that also still I'm says that he wants believer, a believer. I'm a firm believer that you can talk him into fighting John Jones again. Yeah. That, and I he, even said he, last night at light heavyweight. If he's willing to fight Stipe, he's willing to take another fight. 
Right. No, he said the one, the last fight he's going to take is the third fight with Stipe or nothing at all. And he's just going to retire. I don't know. We'll see. So what did you think about the fact that the UFC was blatantly and tweets and UFC in general? Because I seen pictures. I don't know if it was Dana White that posted or if it was on UFC, but blatantly pushing Tony Ferguson over Gagey last night. Oh, all of the tweets they were the pro Tony tweets. Yeah, there was that. And then I want to say it was Dana White or it was the UFC in general. I was scrolling through Instagram this morning and I seen a picture. It was uh, from the stands taking a picture and it says that Tony Ferguson is a savage. Who said that? It's It was coming from either Dana White or the UFC, one of the two. Before or after the fight or mid-fight? During the fight. Well, look, people wanted to see that fight with Khabib. I, I get I, I get it, but you can't push that narrative. They can do whatever they want. They can, but they shouldn't. That I mean, that that is saying that they don't give Gagey a chance. Gagey shut him all the fuck up. He, yeah, That's, sure did. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if he so let's say if he had run one sort of a razor thin decision over him and didn't beat him up as much, you could still push for the for Tony fighting Khabib because. This fight was with a new fighter that took it on short notice. It wasn't the scheduled fight, but he he had proven, you know, I'm a champion. I took this fight even though I didn't need to. I could have just waited until September when Khabib could fight. But Justin Gaethje won so convincingly that right. you can't you can't pass him up for a title shot now. You just can't. Forget Connor. Forget Tony. He's got to be the one to fight Khabib. He just has to. And I, you know, I feel bad. I mean, I. The only way we see Tony fight Khabib is if Gaethje goes in there and smokes Khabib when they fight. And then you go, all right, you two fight now. Yeah. And then maybe the winner gets a rematch with Gaethje. That's that's the only way I could see it happening. So we may not ever get that fight. Yeah. It's a dude, it's a narrative that they have to push because again, it's all anyone's been talking about for not only just the last few months because it got canceled again, but for the last few years. Everyone said those are the two top guys in the division. They have to fight each other. We can't have all this interim title fights and this guy getting a title shot when he's ranked fifth or people stepping in. Like there has to be a clear cut number one guy. It has to be these two that fight to decide who's the number one guy. Right. We're not going to see it now. I mean, unless Gaethje goes in there and again, just runs over Khabib, which that's likely not going to happen. So one, one of my favorite things was the interview that Gaethje did one of the interviews that Gage did after the sh- after the fight, and uh, and it was clear to see too. We we watched it in between fights. Gage's coach told him, "Dude, you got to slow down. You're getting what you know. You're getting way too wild yeah. out there." And he just immediately did. He immediately yeah. got more technical in his striking and stuff. And afterwards, the whoever was interviewing him said the same thing. They're like, "Hey." You know, your coach told you in between rounds to slow down. He goes, yeah, I have to have that guy there. Like, he's like, I was having too much fun, and I was getting too wild. He's like, I have to have somebody that pulls me back and tells me exactly what I need to do now because I'll, I will get too wild. And it was it was weird because he was contradicting himself from what he said in the past about his fight style. He's saying, he, he said, I'm, I'm getting older now, and I'm getting more mature in the fight game, and I can't be as wild and crazy as I used to be. Yeah, uh, I think people say that he kind of throws caution to the wind 
But I, to me, in his last few fights, he's looked extremely calculated in there. I think he's been taking his time. He hasn't been just opening himself up to each shots. He did get in a few exchanges with Barboza before he got or before he KO'd Barboza, but nothing like we had seen, like with the Michael Johnson fight or the Eddie Alvarez fight or even the Poirier fight, like nothing like that. Um, and then last night, you know, the first round, he got a little bit excited, got a little bit careless and left his chin out there. And Tony dropped him. And like you said, you know, everyone had to be like, hey, slow down. You're getting a little bit excited. Calm down. You're touching them when you're not excited. So let's just work on work, stick to the game plan. And he did. And a masterful performance, man. That's going to be a fun fight to rewatch. Hard to rewatch because, again, it's just the way that Tony was reacting to getting beat up like that. It was like, oh, felt bad for him. You know, it's funny how you feel bad for some people and then for some you don't, you know. Well, I mean, um, that that kind of that kind of sticks kind of goes around their attitude outside of the octagon, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that plays a lot into it. But uh, one fight we haven't even talked about yet is Stevens and Cater. Oh, what a fight. Dude, Cater's a savage. Cater's, Cater's uh, he is a dark horse in, in the featherweight division. He man. has not um, talked about enough. Hopefully now he no. will be. Maybe, maybe. Um, his hands, I mean, his boxing, his boxing is is arguably the best in that division. And... I mean, he knocked, he finished Stevens with an elbow. Dude, he threw um, that elbow like a fist. Right. That was insane. Right. Yeah. Um, looked very much like Chris Weidman. I said that last night when he KO'd Mark Munoz like that. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful, yeah. That, Calvin was, that, that was really weird, too. <laughs> because right you, after you, I said it, you Chris said, Weidman yeah, tweeted it. Yeah, you said that, and then literally two minutes later, Chris Weidman tweets the exact same thing that you just said. Yeah, uh, yeah, Cater's, he's a title contender. I don't know what, we don't know what's going to happen. Is Volkanovski going to give Holloway the rematch? I think I read something recently that he said, you know what, I've moved on from that. I want to challenge, I want another challenge. But um, they both better watch out for Calvin Cater. Yeah. Um, Zabit's right there. You know, like I said, I Cater, if, he, if that fight with Zabit had been five rounds, he was... He was piecing him up in that the end of that third round. So if that fight had gone on, I'd be very interested to see uh, if he had won that fight. He was. I like how calm he is in there because Stevens when he when Stevens moves forward on you, he comes at you like a savage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys react in a way that they they panic a little bit. And Cater did not panic at all. Like he just kept his boxing together, and his boxing is so good. I mean. Yeah. The, uh... And I know this is probably an obvious statement, but that comes down to the game plan and how you trained in your camp. I mean, you, when you when you know what Steven's style is, you train for that pressure. Yeah. So, like yeah. I said, I know it's an obvious statement, but... But, yeah, I mean, but he fought the same way against Zabit, and Zabit's a different fighter than Stevens. He's not uh, as aggressive like that, and Cater fought it the same way. I think he's just so confident in his boxing, and I think he, his boxing is better than everyone else's. That he can he can sit on that boxing and, and really like it's like like he did was starting to do to Stevens and like he was well like he did to Stevens but then like he was starting to do to Zabit like he he'll piece you up man and he, the, like a lot of guys aren't going to be able to hang with that I think Holloway could that'd be a, that'd be a fun fight man Holloway and Cater would be a fun that would be fight. a really fun fight but where um, do we know where we are at the rankings was was Stevens was seven right and uh, Cater was nine. Cater was nine. 
Yeah. Where's Holloway f- sitting at right now? He's ranked first. He's still is? Okay. champion. Holloway's uh, the top of the rankings. Okay. And then Ortega's still two. And then Zabit is three. So Have we seen Ortega cater? No. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm saying. I was like, we, we're still looking at at least one to two more fights for cater that needs to be wins for him to be talking about title contention. I'm going to say one. One? I'm going to say one. If he fights, well, I think the fight to make would be him and Korean Zombie. Which that he, he's be. sitting where? Four. Okay. I like that. Th- that That is a fun fight. Uh, well, look, Cater against anyone in the top six is fun. So you have Frankie Edgar, I believe Josh Emmett, Zabit, Ortega. I mean, that's that's a murderer's row of fighters that I think any one of those fights is a great fight. Well, yeah, but how is only how does only one po- fight put him in title contention? Because I just that's the way I think it is in that division. Okay. Because it was the same for Volkanovski, but Volkanovski beat Aldo, which makes it a little bit different, right? Or is Aldo fifth? One of those guys, maybe Emmett's below, but either way, um, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, even if if you, if you put him up against say Korean Zombie, I mean, you still, you're still sitting with Holloway and Ortega ahead of him. Yeah, Ortega's been supposed to be who, have, I think Ortega's had a fight with Korean Zombie twice now, get canceled. So I know they're trying to make that fight. I don't know. That's a good. That's a tough division too. Featherweight, lightweight. Those might be the two best divisions in the UFC. Welterweight's right there, too. But, yeah. Your boy Greg Hardy won. <laughs> My boy, yeah, right. Oh, hey, good. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. I know we haven't talked about that yet, but what do you think about the whole uh, Greg Hardy hearing DC basically give, give pointers over the co- while he was commentating? Did did you not catch any of that, or did you? What did he do again? So DC was doing his normal commentating in yeah. the fact that he was saying like, "This is what you know. This is what Greg needs to do." And then Greg right. started doing that because he heard DC say it because there was no fans in the audience or in the stands. What What was he saying he needed to do? I think it was it was something about like checking leg kicks or something. I think. You sure it wasn't filling that terrible tribal tattoo on your shoulder? <laughs> um... <laughs> He might, it might've been, he may have done that after the fight. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I haven't forgotten about it. Um, I can tell. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, that's what they're going to have to deal with, with no fans in attendance. You hear everything. Yeah. Like I said, the first fight of the night between Ryan Spann and Sam Alvey, Ryan Spann's corner was giving him directions, right? And as the viewer, you could hear it. But not only were they giving him directions, but he was responding to them, like having a conversation. I mean, he's in the midst of a fight. I mean, and, right. and it's a good fight. It wasn't a boring fight by any means. Right. He's in the midst of this fight and he's responding to his corner. He's having a conversation with his corner. He's like, all right, coach. Yes, sir, coach. I got you. I got you, coach. Like right. he's at, I'm like, this is fucking weird. But the, the thing is, is so if I can hear the instructions and he can hear the instructions, so can his opponent. Right. And so you, the opponent knows what's coming next. And like that's an interesting topic too, because do you remember Colby Colby Covington complaining after his his fight with Usman because he was saying that they knew his game plan like right or th- they were saying that that he thinks um what was I 
is he thinks that the uh, the other corner could hear his coaches. It was something along those lines, and I was I'm just thinking that if if he had a problem with it then when there's fans in the stands, he he ain't gonna be able to fight when there's no fans in the stands. Yeah, just forget it. He's not gonna fight again. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. so something I don't know. Did you watch post show at all last night? Did you watch Rogan and DC and Johnny Anik talk at all? No, I think I'll be honest. After we ended the live stream, I went straight to bed. Gotcha. Well, the reason why I, I asked is because I, I hung around and I watched for a little bit, and they were doing the social distancing thing. So it was you had all three of them, like you had DC here, you had Rogan right. here, and you had Johnny Anik here, but they were on different screens because they were they were doing the six foot roll away from each other, and they started talking about how it was weird that there was no people in the stands, but Rogan basically flat out said he likes it better. He said really? he, he loves the, he loves getting the fuel from the fans and hearing the, you know, reactions and all that kind of stuff. But he's like, I don't hate this at all. Just doing it this way. I honestly didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I honestly didn't see anything wrong with it. I have no, I have no, I have no criticisms of it. Well, I think he, it was cool. Yeah. The here's why it's a little weirder for me is because we were watching it during doing the MMA on the mic. So I had my TV low, so I couldn't really hear it. I was hearing you guys talking instead of the fights. I think it yeah. would feel different if I was watching the fights literally. I mean, but I did watch the last fights they did and it felt weird then, but I, I just feel after a couple of fights in, it just feels normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to get used to, but now that I've seen it twice, I have no problem with it. I'm yeah. excited. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we get we get we get fights again, um, and the next few cards are are loaded with good fights. So, fans or no fans, I'm watching. As right. long as they keep giving me fights to watch, I'm gonna watch. Like I said, all around, I think it was it was a it was a great event, and I think the UFC uh, has every right to feel proud that they were the first sort of. And I know you can't you're not supposed to talk about this because it's wrong, but they should they should feel proud that they were the first sports organization major sports organization to come back and do it in a way that was back to business business as usual just no fans I and mean, they took all of the all of the precautions they needed to they did everything they could I, look if more fighters start coming out positive for covid then we're going to have another issue yes. but let's not even let's not even put that out into the universe right right you know the here's the thing is like you said they should feel proud but it's also these guys this is as close of a contact sport as you can get. I mean, this is, you're on top of each other. And I, as long as they're doing testing before and after, you know, and a good, good time ahead of the fights and things like that, I don't see that it's an issue. And in the same token, other sports, it feels the same way. I mean, baseball, you don't, besides the dugout, you don't have to be on top of each other. You can, you can do your, your separation and not have fans in the stands. Well, the problem with that is the ball. So they're tossing the ball around to each other and they might as well be shaking hands. Okay, but if everybody's testing, getting tested before each sure. game. Testing changes everything for everyone, every sport. Right, right. Period. It's going to be more difficult to do on such a massive level like for the NFL and for Major yeah. League Baseball because you have so many people to worry about. Um, not that the UFC doesn't, but it's just it's more. Uh, they have to worry about more. I mean, think about 
Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the one that's the, the NFL, I mean, there are so many football players on a field at one time. They're so cl- they're, they have to be close together. Testing all of those people. That's a, that's a, it's not an easy ask. We'll see if it can be done. I think the UFC has proven that on this level at this stage of the game, they got it done and they made it work. Not only did it work, but it was a success. The, the NFL too. I, I feel like they could do something with helmets with the a front cover or something like that that covers the, their mouths and stuff. Yeah, that's whack, though. Well, I'm, ju- I'm just saying that. it dep- what, depends on what they're trying to do. Yeah. If it's that important or not. Yeah, I don't like that. They're, the NFL is going to start on time. They already released the schedules. There's probably just not going to be fans there for a while. Right. That's at the end of the day. Dude, I, I got the only pick I got wrong last night was the cowboy fight. I got every other pick, right? Well, I did not. That, however, I, I win my fantasy because there are other questions they ask you such as, so this is where I, so I finished with a total of 90 points and the winner finished with a total of, well, there were several that finished with went basically swept across the board. They finished with 140 points. So, so one of the questions was, will any fighter on the main card land 100 or more total strikes? I said, yes. Um, how many main card fights will go the distance? I picked zero or one. And that was correct. One went the distance, right? Yeah. Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. What will be the method of victory? KO or TKO? That's what I picked. How many head strikes will be landed in the main event? So I put 164. I don't know how off I was on that. I didn't see final hmm. numbers, but. There was another one too. Hold on, there was one more like that. So who who did we have that landed a hundred or more strikes? I don't know. I haven't seen this. It doesn't tell me. Oh, but okay. All I know is I didn't friggin' win ten G's. I'm just thinking that for somebody to you're you're asking for a fight to have to go to decision pretty much if somebody's going to land a hundred strikes. I mean, you need you need five rounds to make that happen. We had two fights that that could have happened. That's yeah. why I said yes. Yeah. No. Right. The volume that Cejudo and Cruz throw, there's e- easily could have happened, you know? That's true. Cejudo, um, probably, threw, and- Cejudo probably threw 30 there in the last five seconds. <laughs> as yeah. fast as the arm was swinging. Yeah. I'm trying to see what the pay-per-view numbers were. But that doesn't matter. I wonder, I mean, I, I know their their model is a lot smarter than I, anything I could put together, but I wonder... What the what the money situation looks like for the UFC based off of what they're spending to promote compared to what they're making without making sales and what like for tickets like you know for for fans to actually be there and stuff like that losing that but then also I'm kind of surprised they haven't increased the amount for pay per view. I know that seems oh. I know that seems odd because it's like well there's no fans there so you, th- you almost think they would reduce the amount. But you would think they would try to offset it somewhere, and I could see them upping it by like five dollars or something and making it seventy dollars instead of sixty-five. Yeah, I, we might see that if they continue to have no gates. I mean, they're not making money off the gates, so they have to make it somehow. Yeah, but that would be criminal, man. While people are out of work, you're going to raise the price. I, I get it. Everyone's got to be paid. Everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that that would that would not be good. Well. What do they do for the fight nights? I mean, these next few cards they got coming up aren't pay-per-views. So, I mean, 
maybe by the time another pay-per-view hits, if they still have to have no fans in attendance, they do raise the price. That would not surprise me at all. I mean, the next one's in June. So we're at May 10th. May 11th. Today the 11th? 10th. Or the 10th? 10th. I'm going to watch ahead of day. I, I honestly could see that happening. I don't, I don't, that's not. Yeah, that could probably, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> I would just expect it. I should expect to pay more money for the next one. Yep. All right. I'll say, I'll save, uh, I'll put away a few, a few ducats so I can save for it. All right. Well, we've already done 45 minutes on just UFC. So let's, uh, you have, said you've got several rants that you want to go on this past week apparently has been trivial for you or something seems like your your attitude's been up for some reason this week so give me give me reasons why how do you know my attitude's been up are you saying towards you well i mean there's that no i I disagree with that but (laughs) well let's talk i want you i want to see what you think about something okay so you finished Dave, yes? I did. What did you think? Well, no, 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 actually, don't answer that yet. So the first six minutes of the final episode, on a scale of your normal self to being touched by an uncle, how creeped out were you during that first six minutes of that last episode? How uncomfortable were you? I'm trying, I'm not going to lie, I'm trying to remember the first six minutes of the last episode. <laughs> Clearly not that uncomfortable. You got issues, bro. Get, you got no. Well, if you can, if you can rejog my memory, I mean, I, I 100% watched it. I just don't. So the first five six minutes is the well. He's supposed to be in the record company office playing his new single. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's where but, he's he's playing out this mu- music video type of thing. In yes. Okay. He goes to prison. Yes. That was very okay. that was very odd, yes. And the reason okay. why he went to prison and all that, yes. Well, the reason why, whatever, but what happens in prison, it got to a point where I looked over at my wife and she looked at me. She goes, are you close to turning this off? I'm like, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. My hand was moving toward the room. I'm like, not, maybe not turn it off, but just fast forward a little bit because uh-huh. this is, this is, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Ah, fuck that. It's been out forever. I won't say what happened. So you were uncomfortable, right? Yeah. It, it, so then I, I look, but I did. I said, I'm close, but I look at her. I go, there's got to be a payoff somehow. I mean, there's no, like, there's something's going to happen. So then it's him explaining this elaborate fantasy that he's come up with. And it's, it's sort of being portrayed in his first single and the record company wants nothing to do with it, obviously, because it's weird. Um, and then the rest of the episode is him trying to sort of explain that this is the way that things need to go because it's his art. Yeah, but the it's a weird because they left you hanging on when? on that because they never so he explains to the record company that they need to get all the way through it because at the end right. it explains so, a, a huge deeper meaning. Uh, that, you know, and then the, um, what's the other guy, the, I guess he's a record producer, not a record producer. His manager? No, not Andrew Santino. The, Data? No. The guy, the guy, the guy that Justin Bieber's at, at his house. Oh, oh, um, Benny Blanco. Yeah. So he 
tell like the whole the whole time he's telling little Dave that everything he's doing is terrible. And then he listens to that one thing and he's like, if you listen to it all the way through, it's it's amazing. It's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. So they leave yeah. you hanging in that because they never let you actually finish it to get to the meaning that he's talking about. Right. But then when he goes on the breakfast club, which this is this is where I took this is where I have an issue is that actual moment of the show. OK. But when he goes to the breakfast club, he kind of decides, all right, maybe it's not finished. He calls it his life's work. Let's, let's explain what breakfast club is for anybody who might not know. Uh, the breakfast club is a morning talk hip hop radio show. Very famous, very, very well known. Where if you're a pop star or rapper, any, anyone who's anyone in that culture, you go on the breakfast club. That's just what you do. And it's hosted by um, DJ Envy, Charlemagne the God, and Angela Yee. I feel in in a lot of ways, I feel the same way about. Charlemagne the God as I do Stephen A. Smith, but we won't even go there. Um, I'm not a fan. Okay. Um, but in the so in the episode, Lil Dicky ends up he ends up not playing them the song, and then he raps for them. And you know what's funny to me is when you were on the Breakfast Club in real life for the first time, you didn't rap for him. Right. You're like, oh, I have nothing prepared. I don't want to embarrass myself. So I feel like he stated in interviews and that I've seen that the show is semi-autobiographical. My theory is this. He's reliving the first part of his career and the things that he went through to sort of get his career to where it is now through this show. And what he's doing is, is with the show, he's saying, man, I wish it had gone this way. That's what the, the entire first season, that's what, that, that's what it is to me anyway. Uh, that's just how I I perceive it. So I've so seen... so when you you say that you're saying that you you feel like he wishes that over self confidence that he has that's what he would have portrayed when it came to the record label and stuff like that that he would have walked in there and said unless you give me exactly to the dime what I want for what I've yep. got I'm not doing it. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways he was probably you can tell. If you've ever ever watched him on a radio show or do a freestyle or rap for someone, you could tell there were there were there was he was he was apprehensive. There there was there was a little bit of nervousness there. So I feel like with the show, he's in a very, very fun way, in a very sort of slick way, saying, This is how I wish it had gone, but guess what? The joke's on you because I'm fucking huge. I'm already huge, so right. it doesn't matter at this point. I think it's a really cool show, and I really like it. And I think that in a lot of ways, he's, he's trying to make up in his own head for what happened to him starting off with his career. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's just how I – and look, I, I think a show like that should be open to – open to whatever interpretation you want. And I think, it, I think the show does a really good job to sort of get – well – how do you really feel about this? Because I think it go a, a hundred different ways. For me, that's the way I saw it going. It was funny though. I've seen a lot. I like during the final few episodes, I saw a lot of musicians tweeting um, things like Dave's such a good show because if you've ever been in the music industry, this is 100% how it is. It's hard to battle your inner demons along with the people you love while you're trying to forge a career and, and do all these things. Okay. 
Yeah. But there, but there, it makes me wonder, like, is this really how this dude is? You know, when he's calling, like, he's so protective of the material and he calls it his art, which, by the way, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Fine, it's your art. I get it. I get it. It should be your, I, it, but still, like, it makes you wonder, like, is this really the way, is this really the way he is or is this the way he wishes he was? Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Fun, so. I can, I can see how it's a mixture of this is the way things went, but also this is the way I wish things would have went. You know, he, he throws them both in and I don't, I don't know if we will know exactly, you know, what, which is which. Yeah. Well, I, it's a, it's a, from what I've read, it's a wildly successful show for yeah. FX and, and the demographic they're going for. So what do you, I mean, so, what do you think about Day or Little Dicky as an actor. Uh, he's all right. I I I think it's ve- he's very impressive for this being his first major thing. I think he's being himself though. In a lot of those scenes, I just feel like he's being himself. I, maybe I, I don't know the guy, so I don't know. Well, th- then that tells me that acting kind of comes naturally. I guess if he's if he's able to be himself and it come across the way it is. I mean, he's awkward. And he's oh for sure he's odd, but he it, it, I don't know it it comes across really, really well I think. I think and again I think it's coming across well because for well, okay like one of my favorite scenes of the show. Well, it, look anytime Gata is in a scene, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, there need in season two there needs to be more Gata and more Andrew Santino as his manager. Please keep those two. And, and Gata is going to be in the show because that you know that's his real hype man. Oh, is it really? Real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's think, really his. You think that's, that's really his homie? You think it's really his real story too? So I won't regurgitate it, but there actually is a story you can go out and search. It'll it'll it kind of talks about him being on the show and how he came to know Little Dicky and all that. So it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Okay, and it's another very another question I had before you go on is that you had made a comment a couple of episodes or a couple of shows ago before you had made it through the whole show, and you said that you wanted to see more Andrew Santino because there was like a one or two episode period there where he just kind of dropped off and you didn't see him much, but that yeah. might have been before he decided to be he wanted to be his manager, and then when he became his manager, he kind of popped back in the show a lot more. Were you happy with? how much he came back or did you still not think he was in the show enough? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's, that's, that's just me. I think he's funny. I think Gade's character is hilarious. So that it just, for a while there, they, they just weren't in the episodes a lot. And it was more about relationships. I just, I, that, that stuff bores me. I don't care. Get back to the hip hop, get back to the story, you know, whatever. So hopefully in season two, there's more of them. If there's not, I'm going to have to, take a step back and um but so like one of my favorite scenes was when he met young thug he was at a party and he's wearing the dressed terribly he's in the turtleneck and young thug's there and he's smoking with young thug and he hears he hears that he thinks he thinks young thug is sick and he like he doesn't want to hit the blunt because he doesn't want to get sick right and then he's like super concerned he's like he's like an over nagging like mom to young thug so like, I feel like, yeah, he, he played the part well, but I feel like he's just sort of acting like he would in that situation. Yeah. Right. 
Like he, a lot of the times, like him reacting to the things that are said, or he, forget it. When he was in the studio he, at the beginning of the show, when he freestyles in the studio, mm-hmm. like the whole setup to that, the whole build up to that, like I feel like that's him. Like that's how he would have responded to things said to him. Like, like he, the dog being in the studio. Like yeah, it's just you know that again, it's a fun show. When like, he went to sit down on the couch day. and he sat down on all the guns. <laughs> yeah. That was a little bit my, but, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he's got a personality that his brain takes over in certain situations that he can't control really. Like the, I think that like the, the young thug situation, like if, if that was me or you, we're probably doing anything we can to impress this guy. And that was probably his plan in at the beginning. And then all of a sudden he hears a cough. And his brain takes over and is like, no, we, we, it doesn't matter. We can't do this. We've got to get out of this situation. Yeah, it's funny. I, and there, again, there's a part of me that believes that's the way he is. And then a part of me believes that the show is, man, I wish I wasn't that way, but guess what? It worked anyway. That's that sort of thing. This sort of like vindication. Um, it, it, I, the, the whole thing at the breakfast club and him freestyling, I was like, wow, you didn't do that. You didn't. So like, that's what made me think this way. Like, I, f- I feel like he wishes he had gone on that fucking show and shoved it in fucking Charlemagne's face and spit a good fucking freestyle to shut that dude up. I feel like that's what he would have wanted. Right. Um, I mean, in a way he did. I mean, he did go on sway in the morning and kind of kill it the same way he just did. The setup wasn't like he wasn't getting the sort of, you know, the cultural appropriation, the, you know, all the things that, Charlemagne does when especially when white rappers go on the show what are you doing for black lives matter right what I mean, are you doing for black lives matter Charlemagne it's, it's yeah such, it's such a, just putting him in a, um, putting him in an awkward position on purpose but you know the, like I said they they leave you hanging because they don't ever tell they don't ever let you listen to the entire song to see where everything ties together but that was kind of the build-up for the last episode right like from the get-go it was, yeah. it was awkward it was weird and then they cut it off. They don't let you listen to it. And then it does it again. And then you get to the very end where you're thinking, okay, finally he's going to play it on the Breakfast Club. And now we're going. That's how this whole season's going to end. Is you're going to hear everything. And then, yeah. So I don't know. It was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole the whole season. It got really uncomfortable in some scenes and I there those are scenes where I don't personally care if some of those things actually happened because they were so uncomfortable but yeah although his, his, al- although the the scene when there are when they're hiking and he's oh, got to yeah. take a shit is the funniest thing I was cracking up at that yeah, I've been there <laughs> That was real life for me and my wife. <laughs> she was laughing out loud because she goes, "Oh, that that's you. That's you. That's you. Oh man, that's you. did that's you feel you when you go out in public every day? Like, yeah, I know. Thanks. Were you comfortable? Um, were you comfortable, or when your wife's laughing at you, were you feeling awkward? Oh no, fuck, dude, no. She knows all <laughs> of my shitting horror stories. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm 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 curious about season two. I'm definitely a fan. I'm definitely they've they've got me so far. We'll see. It's a good show. I, I, w- I wish, I wish, in, in one way I wish that I knew what was real and what wasn't, and then another way I just kind of like it being up to my imagination on. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. I don't, some of that stuff I don't want to know is real. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I would say that his girlfriend in the show is a saint a, in a weird way. Yeah, but that's one of the interesting things about the show, and that's kind of why where I was coming from with like artists and musicians tweeting about the you know when you when you're in a relationship and you're trying to launch a career like that, it is difficult on the other person. Um, it's it not only is it I mean it it takes its toll and it, it ruins relationships. Right. And the the person that being the artist is forced to decide. All right. What's more important, my career? And this is a this is a common tale. I mean, this is an age. This is this isn't a new story by any means. Right. But the artist is forced to decide what's more important to me, my relationship or my career, because I can't have both right now. Right. You know. So in that show, he's ultimately forced to decide which is more important. You know, obviously we know what he chose. Right. Um. So a lot of people can relate to that. Um. So again, it's not, it's not, they're not breaking any new ground with that story. But again, I think that's why so many people like the show is, is people can relate to it. And you don't have to be a musician to relate to that or, you know, a rap artist or in a band to relate to that kind of decision making. I mean, that happens in all walks of life where you're forced to decide between your relationship or your career. Right. You don't have to be a rock star or a rap star to, to have to decide that. So yeah, I've never had to decide that. Because I have nothing other than a relationship. <laughs> Edit that out. We Sorry, know, babe. I love we you. Know, we know uh, what you chose. Not by not because that's the choice you wanted to make. You, just what you chose. <laughs> nah, just, how, just how life kidding. worked. I'm kidding, of course. It's for the better, though, right? Yeah, man. So what else you got? Well, you, got any more, you got any other rants, or was Dave all he had? No, I do, but... It's dangerous territory. It's dangerous territory. You understand that editing is a thing, and I can edit out if you feel uncomfortable nah, afterwards. No, nah, I'll save it. Save it for something else. For something else, like what? Like just to stay in your head? No, it's I've I've been I've been ranting all week about this too. My my poor wife. I'm sure she's she has enough issues to deal with being pregnant. Number one, two, having to deal with COVID at at, at work. And then all of the nonsense that people are spewing out mm-hmm. via social media about COVID. So she has her own frustrations. She doesn't need mine, but I've been I've been unloading them on her. Uh, well, the main thing that's been bothering me is this uh, this Ahmad Arbery case, the guy that was murdered in Georgia. Do you know that story? Uh, I know the general cons- the general story, uh, but I don't know. I haven't. Admittedly, haven't done a re- any research on it. So, can you? I mean, do you know ever? Do you know the whole story? Uh, can you give I me? Know, yeah, I know quite a few details. Yeah. Well, my biggest problem. Well, look, the story's terrible. But and so in February, this this twenty five year old was basically hunted down and killed in his own neighborhood uh, while jogging down the street. Now, what happened before that, we don't know. We don't know. But the 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 story goes that he was. He was in a neighborhood, he was jogging, and he was basically hunted down by three men. Now, the problem that I always have with these stories is mainstream media loves to make it a racial issue rather than just a human issue and a uh, question of law, morality, and ethics. It always has to be a question of race. So yes, he was a 25-year-old black man who was violently 
hunted down and killed by three white men. It comes out now that it's three. It was two, the story originally. The problem is, is these motherfuckers weren't in jail until last week, until this week. They were, they were walking free um, because they told police that they thought he was a burglary suspect. And then they sort of had to defend themselves from a burglary suspect. What we're finding out with the story is there was a video. The video was taken by a third person. The third person was in on it. Right. And that was what that's what was bothering me at first was when the video got released. I said, I go, OK, well, let me ask a few questions here. One, why if this person doesn't know the two guys who ended up killing this poor guy, why is this person filming? Right. Person running down the street. Seems odd. And he, they seem like just a big a shithead is the guys who killed the guy right what is he doing why is it even why are you filming this guy running down the street so if you're just an innocent bystander and you just decided this looks strange let me pull out my phone and start filming this guy so you start filming the guy and then oh come to find out oh god there's two guys parked in the middle of the road in a truck waiting for him to run by and so the video is a little bit out of context and the video kind of pans away and then when it pans back the guy runs to the side of the car and then directly to the guy and then the guy has a gun guy ends up shooting him okay and then the guy the other guy the dad is standing in the back of the pickup truck with a gun so the the video when it comes out when it gets released i'm like well that video doesn't that that video doesn't tell me much other than that yeah this guy clearly was hunted down and killed in the street but what who is this other person filming what is their involvement in this and the video, you know, so the video isn't clear about, well, this guy was just sort of peacefully jogging down the street and then these guys just blow him away. He's peacefully jogging down the street. He goes around the truck to avoid these guys. Now, what was said, we don't know. I'm sure the guys, again, probably maybe sticking to their story, thought he was a burglary suspect and said, hey, stop. We need to talk to you. And the guy was probably like, suck my dick. I don't right. I need to stop for you. Right. Not stop it for you. So he didn't stop. The guy probably, one of the other guys probably said something probably racist or called him a motherfucker or something. And so he ran toward him. And then when he ran toward him, oh shit, he has a gun. Now I'm dead. Okay. I don't care if he was a burglary suspect. What right do you have to stop this guy on the street right. and shoot him right. and stop him? Call the police and wait for the police to get there. We've seen this time and time again. The same, I mean, this isn't, again, this isn't an old story either. We're seeing it happen all the time. So like, my biggest issue when the video came out is who is this person filming? Come to find out these three were working together. They hunted this guy down on the street. So this guy decided to film it because he knew what was going to happen next. These guys were going to try to stop him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he knew there was going to be a confrontation and something bad was probably going to happen. Right. That was his insurance policy. Um, so, okay, let me ask you. So you have three people involved in this. When it comes to which we, I guess we don't know. Uh, I mean, has char have charges already been? I mean, have, they've been arrested. Okay, they're so, going to trial. Yes. So but the, the issue is, is, it, is, we're is it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. What what would the charges be for like the guy filming? Is that like accessory to murder or something like that? Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was yet, but it's something like that. Yes. But the guy, the, the only person that would be like, would get like manslaughter charges or for, uh, whatever degree murder or something like that would be the actual person because there was only one person that actually shot, right? 
Yes. But I think they're all being charged. With the same? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but look, I, what we're finding out now is there's been a lot of cover-up by lawyer, by attorneys and by the police in that really? community. Yeah, man. It, it's, a, it's a shit show. It really is. And that's the worst part about it is being a person, having to walk outside your door to know that you could be gunned down in the streets and the people who did it might not be brought to justice because they're in bed with the police or they've got some sort of deal worked out with the police. That's a scary thought for anyone and especially a person of color. That's got, that can't be. So like the whole thing to me, just it, it's bothered me in a way where I've been saying this for, for many years now that um, mainstream media is not doing their job and they're, they're blatantly, blatantly choosing these stories to be about race for a reason, um, and it's to keep the division. It's not to create any sort of unity. It's to keep us divided because that, that keeps business going. If we're divided, that keeps things moving in a way that where everyone sort of wins and everyone stays in business. That sucks. Um, you know, Joe Biden released a statement when the video came out. Uh, you know, stating that everything, you know, he was sort of saying, you know, this this poor guy, this and that. And I agree with him. But the video, to me, at first didn't say what it needed to say. It was very out of context. And, of course, mainstream media releases it to get a visceral, visceral reaction out of everyone. Right. So. Probably before uh, all the facts were in. Right. And then so both sides react favorably for that side. It's just. And I'm not putting my thoughts together as well as I have been all week because, because I've been talking about it all week and I'm, I get emotional about this shit, but, um, so, okay. So I know you're saying that they're, you saying their excuse was that they thought that he was a burglary suspect. So it shouldn't matter. It's irrelevant. Okay. But yeah, for sure. But we don't know that there's any other connection between, between all these guys. Like there's no other way that they knew this guy that they gunned down besides thinking he was a burglary suspect, like there was be, there would be no other reasoning why outside of the whole burglary suspect thing. No, nope. we, we just don't know that. Okay. So nope. do you, do you have any examples on what the cover-ups are? So the original attorney, the original prosecuting attorney, yes, pro is a prosecuting attorney, I believe had to recuse himself because he had already, had dealings with the guy who had been killed. Okay. That's a problem to me. Number one. Right. So that, that's, that's a huge problem. And then the, the, I'd have to look it up. Maybe we shouldn't have talked about this cause I'm saying things that might not be accurate, but I don't know. It's just, it's got me fired up. Um, I, I really, really do genuinely, genuinely believe that. <sighs> I, I, my problem is it, with these cases, my problem always, I always come back to the media and how they actually give us the information. Um, and it's, it's, I, I look at it this way. We should treat all crime, uh, someone being murdered in the street, all, all things should be treated the same way. Meaning 
if that guy had been running down the street and he was gunned down by three black men, our reaction should be the same, right? right. We yeah. shouldn't be more emotional about one than the other. Right. We should be worried that a human was hunted down on the street and killed. Right. There should be no color humans. barrier by any means. Yeah. But we don't. The mainstream, the media doesn't portray it that way. You know, why, why don't they care? You know, we can't just chalk it up to inner city violence, you know, black on black crime, white on white crime, Asian on Asian crime, Hispanic on Hispanic crime should be treated the same way, but it's not, um, because it doesn't get the same reaction out of the people. Exactly. And it's, it's terrible. I don't know. I don't have my, my just sort of initial solution to the problem is, well, let's stop treating it as a racial matter. Let's just treat it as, again, a matter of humanity, a matter of morality, human life and ethics, and sort of a code of conduct that we sort of agree upon when we go out in public with each other every day, right? Let's treat it as that, but we can't. There's, just, there's It has to be. And then right after that video comes out, right after there's a video that gets released of um, two cops, and I believe this is in California, just beating the shit out of a homeless guy. He's not resisting. He's not resisting at all. He's just standing there. And this guy just starts unloading haymakers on this guy. And I'm like, really? That's a situation where I wish police would stand up for their, their, their job and go, this is not us. This guy does not represent us. Right. He's horrible at his job. But they won't. They won't do it. Not on a mass level where it, it sort of creates some movement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I hundred percent agree, but then it's also kind of one of those things where if you stay out of the spotlight, like, like things could like change could actually be made if all of them did stand up in mass and say, this is not us. This is not us. But that's a, the other side of that is you put yourself in the spotlight when you weren't originally, and then it, could turn bad versus if you stay out of the spotlight, you know, what I'm, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, and they also have a code of conduct that they agree to go into with each other. Right. As police, as officers of the law, there's which, that, which, which sucks. I mean, because that's where a lot of cover-ups and things like that can happen too, because that somehow falls under a code of conduct. I get it. Yeah. And, and look, the idea that we all have these now, and we can just pick it up and start filming a police officer whenever we want. And we have social media and we can just put an out of context video up for people just to, like I said, viscerally react to, leave comments, just get the pot mm -hmm. stirred mm -hmm. so fast, so well. The fact that we have that now makes their job that much harder. And it was like, it's as if we forgot that cops have a difficult job as it is. Right. Now they have a difficult job in the midst of all of this technology and social media and the terrible way that they're, they're you know, we don't, we don't stop. And, and if we do, we get criticized, but we don't stop and ask the question sometimes when I see some of these videos posted of cops being cops and maybe they're being rough, but no one stops to ask the question, why is that person resisting arrest? Right. Right. We can't. So then when we... It, and then so we don't ask that question. So then people keep resisting. And then we have that one cop who's already on edge, became a cop to abuse their power, and they fucking kill someone. Right? Yeah. As, a, as opposed to the cops who have a guy who's resisting arrest, they remain calm, 
they do what they were taught to do. They don't beat up the guy. They don't tase the guy. They don't shoot the guy. They don't even draw a weapon. They just keep him on the ground and they keep trying to keep him on the ground. They keep going, keep going, keep going. Imagine how that cop feels. Right. Because the person keeps resisting. So you're dealing with two different worlds, with two worlds where at any moment, because you're so uncomfortable, because you're so fearful of what may happen, you could snap. The citizen who's scared of the police and the police who are scared of the citizens. They're, 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 you know, in, in, in a way, they're at war with each other mentally. Right. right? It's a psychological battle that they constantly have to deal with. Well, you know, you know and, and the thing that really drives me nuts is you have these people, like you said, we have a phone now. And you have these people who, if they get pulled over, their first thought is, I need to turn my phone on and record this. And then they make the situation a lot worse than it is on purpose because they want to show that their freedoms aren't getting taken away and stuff like that. When this could have been not even an altercation, it could have been, hey, you were going five minute, five miles over the speed limit, not going to give you a ticket, have a nice day. That could that could have yeah. be where it ended, but they try to make it something bigger than it actually is for views and and just to abuse their own power. But the other side of that is you have cops, and I'm not. This is just a scenario, but you know, cops have body cams now. And they are supposed to, like every time they pull people over and anytime they have anything with anybody, they're supposed to have that on. But if you do have a cop that abuses their own power or are power hungry or anything like that, it's at their discretion if that body cam's on or not. They turn that thing on and turn it off. So, yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that happen that there isn't that footage isn't on body cam because that was their decision to have their body cam off at that time. Bad decision, if you ask me. Yeah. But that's the thing. So when we're talking about cops, we're talking about other citizens killing. The idea that those two guys weren't automatically taken into custody and kept in jail until more of the facts were determined. They clearly murdered a guy. Yeah, that's in, that's insane. It's preposterous. I mean, it's it's insane. But right after that story, there was another story. A guy, he posted it on Facebook live. He was running from the police. He was being pursued by the police in his car. He starts recording. He's saying, I don't want to go back to jail. I can't go back to jail, this and that. No. He stops the car. He gets out and he starts running. On video, you just hear this guy get blown away. Didn't turn and face the police. Didn't didn't show that he had a weapon. He just got murdered by the police. Okay. Well, now we're dealing with something completely different. We're dealing, like we said, with cops who may have been bad at their job, just killed a guy in cold blood. We don't know why. Now, all we have is this video to go off of and the cop's word, right? Right. Cops, plural. But also, what happened uh, before he started recording this video? They were pulling him over for speeding or some sort of traffic violation. And I, uh, you know, I, let me look it up so I don't keep speaking out of turn about these guys. Um, but at the end of the day, well, okay, so, the video so, so, shows him get out of the car, start running, and right. he just gets killed. Right, and that's what I'm saying, though. This is a video out of context. Should they have shot? No. But do, do what I'm saying is, is this just a routine thing, and he's afraid that they're going to dig in and find out what he's done outside of this traffic? Well, clearly, yeah. I mean, or look, if you're is, getting pulled he, over and you have warrants. Or did they know right? who he was when they pulled him over? You know what I'm saying? Did they know who he was, you're saying? Yeah. 
Like, were they specifically pulling pulling him over just because he was speeding? Or did they know when they pulled him over who this guy is and why we're pulling him over? I mean, look, this the story that we have now is that it was a traffic violation or traffic stop, and he ran, right? So, again, not good. You're not supposed to run, but he also didn't show that he had a weapon. He didn't pull a weapon on the police. He was just running away. You know, shoot a guy in the shoot a guy who's running away. And the whole thing is just you're yes, I agree with that. You don't shoot a guy who's running away. But also, wouldn't you just shoot for a leg or something? uh, Well, if you if I don't know if that was if you if you felt like if you were a cop and you felt like you had to shoot, that was the only option you had right now. You're it shouldn't be a shoot to kill situation. It should be a shoot to stop pursuit. Why is it even a shoot to stop situation if he doesn't have a weapon? I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying that if you are a cop and for some reason you feel like that is the only option here, then it still shouldn't be a shoot to kill situation. No, I I mean, yeah. It's, uh, well, now I can't find the story and it's driving me crazy. (laughs) India, it was in Indianapolis. Here it is. Uh, Police officers reported seeing a vehicle driving recklessly. So then it's, yeah, so they, they were pursuing him because he was driving recklessly. And then it turned into a high-speed chase. He got out. Well, okay, so the police are saying there was a confrontation. The video does not show that, so... I don't know. I don't know. It's that, that's all I'm saying is you'd mentioned, you know, videos out of context and stuff like that earlier. And that's what the, that's what it sounds like. This is I haven't seen it, so I can't give too much of an opinion on it. I just, it sounds like you don't know what happened before he started that video. And that's where a no, lot that's where a lot of yeah. on the video. That's the problem, too. Right. So this confrontation, the police are alleging there's nothing like that on video body cams or this guy's phone footage. Look, man, I the only reason I'm fired up about this is I, I get I get passionate about this when I feel that the media is not doing their job and telling the real story and just trying to get reactions and, you know, continues to keep us divided um, there. The, you know, we live in a city. I mean, you not not so much necessarily, but I live in a city where the racial tensions are always at a boiling point. They just are. You know, you got to imagine that it's like that all over all over the country. So with that in mind, wouldn't you feel it's your obligation as a reporter or as a news outlet to keep that in mind and go, maybe we don't bring the racial differences into the story. Maybe we just bring the story because we know people are already on edge. We're just going to create a bigger shitstorm on top of the one that already is a day by day thing anyway, right? Yeah. They don't have they don't take that responsibility, and I feel I just feel it's it's I feel it's an ir- not irrational but an irresponsible way of reporting the news. It is, but they're but they also don't look at it that way. It's a matter of we have to get the biggest reaction possible from the story, and racial tension, of course, is the way to do that. But 
you know, you all you're like you said, all you're doing is firing up both sides, the white and the black side, for different reasons, then that makes them look at the story differently on both sides, and it just creates a worse situation. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, it's I don't know. My head's gonna explode, no. Yeah. I mean I get it. I understand I understand why you're passionate about it and I understand why it's you know, I mean, it's a shitty situation all, all the way around. And it, it doesn't seem like they're doing too much to try to, you know, fix the situation or at least calm tension. Yeah, well, that's I just I don't know how we move forward as a, as as people if we constantly. Embrace the division that inevitably is there, you know. And forget about just white and black. Again, this this is everyone. Yeah. Everyone. You know, we we need to be exploiting the idea that we're divided. We need to be exploiting it because it's bad, because it's not helping us progress. You know, but instead we embrace it and we just we use that as a crutch and we use that to get views and we use that to get clicks. And we use that to tell a better story. Well, to me, it's not a better story. To me, it's a bad story. Yeah, I mean, no, no matter no matter what the situation is, it's like you said earlier. You have a white guy shoots a white guy, not that big of a story. A black guy shoots a black guy, it's not that big of a story. White guy shoots a black guy, now it's a story. There's right. no there's no reason why that should be any bigger or smaller of a story than anything else. It's human on human crime. That's that's right. all it should be. Well, that's the one thing I said too. I said, look. As as a white man, if that story were different, so the the, the Ahmad Arbery story, I've very, again I've reacted very passionately about it. It sucks. I hate it. I feel bad for that guy and his family. I don't give a shit if he was a burglar. I don't care if he had a rap sheet as long as my leg. I don't really care. Those guys did not have the right to stop him in the street and 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 murder him and hunt him down and kill him. So like. I said, look, if the situation were reversed and it was a white guy jogging down the street and he were was hunted down by three black guys, I'm going to react the same exact way. Not more emotionally because I'm white, right? Not going to react more emotionally because I'm going to react the same way. Right. I'm going to ask the same questions. I'm going to go, Jesus, that why do these guys have the right to hunt this guy down? And, and they could have used the same excuse. Well, he was a burglar. We thought he was robbing somebody. We thought he was a burglary suspect. And then when I would have seen the video, I would have asked, why is this person filming a person jogging down the street? What, what, what business is it of theirs? And again, I wouldn't react more passionately or in a more emotional way than I would with the original story. Um, now, I know I consider myself to be an outlier in my sort of in my close surroundings here. Right. That's the way people react. I do know people I know. I personally know people that would have reacted to be honest with you, just reacted to the story if it were reversed. If it were, if it was a white guy jogging down the street, hunted down by another race, and I'm using air quotes with that for people that are listening, hunted down by another race, and it sucks. That's just, I know I'm talking about myself, and I'm speaking, you know, from my own personal experiences and my own personal beliefs. But yeah, I was saying that when this happened, I go, look, I don't really, I'm not seeing this as white on black or black on white or anything like that. I'm seeing this as what it should be uh, a story full of holes and this story full of holes, you know, what's not full of holes is the result 
or the ending of the story. The ending of the story was this guy was killed in the street, plain and simple. So I, I'm, you know, like all of these other cases, I'm going to be following this one until there's uh, some sort of justice served. Hopefully there is. That's the last thing we need right now is for those two guys to fucking walk free. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Like we, you know, you know, and that's the thing that when I complain about the media, the one thing that I think they, A, I think they understand it because you, you have to be, you know, you have to have been living in a cave for the last 300 years, but they understand it. They just, again, irresponsibly avoid it by reporting these stories the way that they're doing. They are creating, again, a psychological race war amongst us as people and then amongst us as people with the police and authority figures and leaders and now I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and sound like I have the answers or like I'm a part of the solution. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I try to be a positive contributing member to society that <laughs> treats everyone the same, you know, it's just not the reality for a lot of people. And I, I, I sound like a kumbaya tree hugging, you know, I mean, hippie when I say that, but I mean, you know, not really. that really is the way that's the way that I grew up. And again, I'm going to sound so boring and, and sound like I'm, I'm not throwing any sort of like, basically, look, it was the way that I grew up and I'm thankful for that. So I know that when I feel uncomfortable in these situations or when I react the way I do to these stories, I know why I don't have to ask my own. I don't have to ask myself questions. I know why. Um, And as someone who's going to be bringing a kid into this world very soon, I'm very, very concerned about these things and that he does not get exposed to these things in a different way than I was. You know, so it has a lot to do with it, too. Uh, You know, things are the way I started thinking about things changed immediately. You know, it's pretty crazy how that changes. But what were you going to say? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, um, you know, it. I don't really see that it's like all kumbaya or boring or anything like that. And I don't, it's, it's conversations like this that are important because you're not looking for an answer. You're not trying to give answers. You're giving an opinion, but your yeah. opinion, it, if your opinion was used in a bigger stage, then it could lead to progression. That's not where we're going right now, and we we understand that. But it's yeah. opinions like this that are important, and and I love sharing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and you know the the important thing is having an open dialogue about these things, and and not getting emotional, and not you know not uh, calling someone names. The, the the biggest the a real problem with this too, and and you know you people are going to experience this if they really dive into these situations and and you know because the issue is made a racial issue you have movements that are created that are such as black lives matter for instance you know so if i as a, as a human being go well look i'm not looking at this with the racial angle someone might get offended by that you go, well, it is, it is. This guy was murdered because he was black and they were white. And they can say that and they can believe that. And it doesn't necessarily mean, mean that I disagree. 
But if I say, well, let's just take the race thing out of it and let's look at the story for what it is. The easy, the easy out for people is to, well, that's racist. Right. You know, people are so afraid of being called racist now. Right. It's like, well, okay, maybe, but let's have the conversation, right? Right. Let's have the conversation, but let's have it in a different way where we're not solely focused on race because I'd want to avoid talking about race is a problem to a lot of people. Right. But I, I, they think I'm just glossing over it. Well, how can you ignore it? You know, those guys killed that guy because he was black. Again, I'm trying to ignore it because, again, if the situation were reversed, I don't want to think that the white guy was killed because he was white. Right. Or the Mexican was killed because he was Mexican. You know, like, so, and it, you know, you have to have the conversation. Uh, some people try to avoid them. You know, I will have them in the right setting in a, in a controlled environment with someone who I know isn't going to get emotional. Right. Right. Cause then it just turns to shit. And I've been, I've, I've experienced that, you know, I've, I've made mistakes about talking about these things with the wrong person and, um, it got confrontational and it got ugly and, you know, there it's, it's really hard to avoid your emotions on these things too. I, I mean, we're talking about a matter of life and death at the end of the day. Yeah. I, so. I, the hard thing is, is I see both sides because whether, you know, you hear blue lives matter, you hear black lives matter in, in these things, and it's very important. I, I understand that, but all lives matter to me should be what the important, the most important thing is. But the, the problem is, is people look at that as, well, you say all lives matter. You're not putting enough emphasis on black lives matter. You're not putting and enough emphasis right. on cops and things like that. Right. So... It just it depends on how you look at it. And I see both sides, but I'm still more on the side of all lives are important. It doesn't, you shouldn't put more emphasis on one over the other. Right. But mm -hmm. that's not, that's not sexy enough. That doesn't that's keep not, yeah, the that, wheel. Right. That's not keep the wheel spinning. That doesn't sell and, stories yeah, for I've the media. I've heard people be called racist because they say, well, look, all lives matter is a terrible response to any of the, this specific thing matters. It's a terrible response. It's just as infantile as the other one because they're just words. Yeah. They don't exactly. mean anything. It's not, it's not a movement. And for me personally, I don't react to blue lives matter or black lives matter because those words put together in a short little sentence directed at me is trying to imply that at some point in my life, they didn't matter to me before. So right. now they do. No, right. no, no. They always have. So I'm not going to respond to it. You know, right. I'm not going to respond to it by saying all lives matter because it's again, it's, it's a juvenile way to respond to a juvenile thing in the first place. Um, that's how I look at it. Now, I know, I know a lot of people don't, but that's the way that I look at it. You know, you're saying those things to me, but you're saying them to me, assuming that at some point I said, yeah, they don't matter that much. And not never the case. Right. Yeah. But across the board, like you said, a lot of people don't think the way that you do. So that's where that comes in to play because yeah. just because it's bad that they assume that at some point you didn't, I mean, across the board, it's probably not that way. Sure. No, I, I mean, I know it's not, you know, we, um, but yeah, so these, these stories are going to build and build and build these two specifically that I've mentioned. And then there'll be something new that I'll see on Twitter that'll get me all fired up. 
you know, but I, we, we all should be asking questions and we shouldn't be, <laughs> we shouldn't be crucified for asking questions. Okay. You should be asking questions. You should be uh, passionate, but in a controlled way, don't get too emotional, but ask questions. Um, you know, I asked the, the, the question that I asked was, why aren't these guys in jail? They should be in jail. And then why is that person following that guy with that camera? Makes no sense to me. All questions that Joe Biden should have asked right. rather than just having an emotional reaction to the video. You know, this is a guy that wants to be our president. Really? You're not right. going to ask the right questions. Right. I mean, he's in the midst of dementia, so I get it. Probably why he's not asking the right questions. But, <laughs> you know, leaders and politics, you're not going to ask the right questions. You're just going to project even more, right? Project the, the divide and the racial tension even more, you know? So, but I want to be able to ask questions. You know, when I see a video on Twitter of, albeit a white cop trying to apprehend a suspect, I don't care if the cop's white, I don't care what color the suspect is. If the cop's acting out of control, and beating on that person, I'm going to ask questions. Now, if the cop is calm and the person's resisting arrest, resisting arrest, resisting, 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 I'm going to ask the question, hey, why don't you just stop what you're doing? Just stop. You know, um, I, I don't know when it became okay to fight a cop, fight, fight back with a cop. You know what I mean? Like, when did this become a normal thing? You know, right. now I know that some cops are corrupt and I, some cops will beat a man for no good reason. And now people feel they're fearful and they feel like they're going to be kidnapped by the police at any point, you know, stop and frisk, stop me and ask me, you know, I get it. They're all questions that we need to be asking. Now, again, someone would have an answer for me that might shut me up and make me stop asking that question. Um, someone might be offended by what I'm saying. But again, I want to be able to ask the questions. Right. You know, and I. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I get it. So, you know, it, it it's kind of weird, too, because it feels like in the midst of all that, like every once in a while, you'll see a new story or something about a cop that did something heartwarming for a little kid or something like that. And it's like Man, a story awesome like it's like a story like that breaks the tension for a minute, but it's also like that shouldn't be the reason why that story's being thrown out there. Not just One of those, to, like once every two weeks though. Right. I know. I'm not saying you know it's I mean? often. I'm just saying that like you see that and it's like something to break the tension for a, a minute, but it's not, I mean, that should be something that's happening all the time and a lot more often. And those are the videos we should be seeing. That's what a cop should yeah. be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they happen all the time, but we don't see them. Right. No one pulls out their phone to film that. Right. That doesn't matter. You know, there was a video I saw the other day of a cop skateboarding, like legitimately like skating with kids, like doing kickflips and all this shit. Nice. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, won't see that again for two months. Right. A video like that. You know what I mean? Um, the next video I see is going to, it's going to be that copy and a dickhead to those kids for skating somewhere where perhaps they might not have, uh, shouldn't have been skating. You know, right. One of the kids is going to ask, Oh, what's going on? Why, what's the problem? And the cop's probably going to hit them. It, it, you know, it, it's just, 
yeah, we need to see more of those. And I hopefully we do. Well, it's like that's we're trying to ask for a perfect world scenario there. Right. That's but, important. We're given opinions and we have a platform to do it. So. Yeah, you know, people people need to be able to take their own personal experiences and use them in a in a in a, in an efficient way that allows them to ask questions. You know, I know I just said that, but part of the reason why I like asking questions is because is based on the experiences that I've had. The other issue is I think some of the people that write these stories, some of the people that film these videos, they've never dealt with anything. They've never dealt with confrontation. They've never had a struggle in their life. They've never had to do anything. They've never, you know, so it's easy for them to go, oh God, look at these people. Look at these people over here. Look at these pieces of shit. Right. Right. Record. Look at this. Can you believe this? Okay. Well, you have nothing to, you have nothing, you have no basis for what's happening over there. You have no opinion. You have nothing to say. Your only opinion is that this is shocking. So I need to give it to the world. Maybe it's not that shocking to some people, right? Maybe some people want to ask questions. So, well, the other, the other important thing though, is what you said earlier is that you are thankful for how you were raised. And I think that has a lot to do with it too, because yeah, people should use their experiences to progress and to be a better human and find their way through that. But it, I think it also has to do with how you were raised and how you were taught to deal with certain situations. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, some people don't know how to progress and make their own ideas and thoughts out of a situation. They just go back to what, how they were raised and how they were taught to treat certain situations and things like that. Yeah. It's not always the best, right? Right. But Um, it's important, like you said, that you're, you already have it in your mind that when this kid comes, you are making sure that you're putting the right values and morals into him and teaching him how to, you know, be his own person and have his own thoughts and ideas. Yeah. 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 I, well, he's certainly not going to be taught this division and this, this, uh, this anti sort of this, this, just this, this idea that race always has to be brought into the conversation. Um, Hopefully I don't have to have that conversation. It'll just be a natural sort of organic thing that happens where everything's good. Everyone's good. Everyone's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't see myself having to have that conversation, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> there are, there are, there are learned behaviors that happen outside of your own home, unfortunately. So right. I don't want to, I don't want to put him in situations where he might learn bad behaviors, but they're hard to avoid sometimes. Very true. So. Well, I'm glad that when there's scenarios that you don't want to talk about that I'm still able to pull an extra 45 minutes out of you. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's tough, man. But again, I, I, I think me personally, I try to make it a point to ask questions and I try to, try to be as rational as possible. Um, and I know for, for other people, it's not that easy. It's just not, they walk, they, they walk out of their house every day in fear about the next thing that's going to happen to them. And that's, that's not, I can't imagine that's an easy way to live. Right. So, 
I'm a, I'm a straight white male. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a spoiled piece of shit. I have it easier than most people, but you know, thinking though, I'm still, I'm still thinking. Yeah. Know? I mean, not, but that's the thing is you're not, not shutting you're, everyone else out. You yeah. Know? You're not using that as a, you know, being a straight white male, you're not using that as I'm, I'm bigger and better than anybody else. You're, you want the equality. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. I'm thirsty and hungry. Okay, I could eat. I have not eaten yet this morning, and it's already noon. That's not a good thing. Is it noon? Yeah. Whew, fuck. <laughs> well, I'll say I'll save a story I had for the next one. Okay. I enjoyed this. Got deep. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how these two stories unfold. And I, you know, in a week's time, probably not much is going to happen, but I'm sure something will come out. So. And then I'll, I'll tell you a story. Again, it doesn't matter. It means nothing. But again, it's just personal experience, which again makes me ask what I consider to be necessary questions for my own survival. How about that? I don't know. <laughs> cool. Well, there's a good clip. Not like, I, not like I have it harder than anyone else to survive. I'm just saying. Right. That's a good I also deal. I also deal with my own stupid brain every day, which you've experienced a little bit. <laughs> On a very, on a, at a very high level, you've, you've experienced my dumb brain. So I'm sure I'll experience more of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, we're, uh, yeah, this was fun. We got deep cool. and, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to bring more stories and both of us do all the research that we can on it to where maybe, maybe there might be at least one episode where we actually have facts and not opinions on everything. <laughs> Well, I gave you a few facts. You on did that, give me a few facts. Time. But again, it, it, we, we don't know the fucking facts. That's the other issue, right? And we might not. That's a thing. Where, where did you get your facts from? You know, that, that story that I read about the lawyer, I think initially it was from, I think the first story I read was the Washington Post, very liberal mm-hmm. media outlet. So I... I don't know. Again, you just, again, the questions, you know, where did I get the information from? You have to think about these things. And then where so, did, where did those sources get their information from and how legit right. is that? So yeah, it's a, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get some food? Yep. Let's do it. And we are out. <laughs>